If you're hanging out on the north side of Houston, you've got to check out the Farm Drinkery. It's an awesome dive bar located in spring off of Champions Forest in Luetta. They've got 22 beers on tap, which you know what that means. They are representing the H-Town beer scene. But that's not all. They got great food too. My personal recommendation is to try out the world-famous wings. But the only thing better than an awesome new dive bar is a beer and food discount. You heard it. Bearing Ain't Easy podcast listeners can go in and give the code BEERNERD20 for 20% off your bill. That's BEERNERD20 for 20% off. Come for the great atmosphere and stay for the free high fives. God damn, I need IPA. This is Bearing Ain't Easy, your podcast for beer humor, dad humor, and beer tastings from Texas and beyond. So crack one if you got one and turn it up. Welcome to Bearing Ain't Easy, Season 2, Episode 19, with Ryan, Drew, and special guest, Meredith. Whoa, first time Bearing Ain't Easy guest, maybe first time listener. Probably the last. (laughs) This is my wife, Meredith. Welcome to the show, Meredith. Hi, y'all. So we brought Meredith on for a special episode today. Um, We're going a little outside of our normal beers uh, we are going to do a gluten-free beer episode today. So Meredith's on today because we found out our middle daughter, Faye, has celiac disease. She's six years old. She's six years old. She'd been sick for a really long time. Yeah, she was having a lot of stomach issues, and we found out from the doctor that she has celiacs, which means that you cannot eat or drink gluten. That's right. It's an autoimmune disease, and it's a form of, I don't know, the doctor called it... Um, Mimicry, basically, where you're genetically dispositioned where once a virus with the same makeup as gluten comes into your body, your body suddenly attacks that virus and then also attacks gluten from that point on. You know, as as a beer podcast host here. His biggest devastation was the fact that she cannot drink beer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, right? <laughs> and so what the only thing I can do is plan out like 15 years in the future how my daughter's going to have a beer with me. So we're going to we're going to go on this this trail today. We've got five different gluten-free options. We're going to see if if any of them are uh, are worth drinking and if they're not then uh, Ryan and I are going to have to get our brewing game on and we're going to have to bring some gluten-free beers to the city of Houston. Are you ready for that challenge, Ryan? I'm always ready, man. So before we jump into to the beers we're drinking, do we do we want to talk about about what makes a beer a gluten beer and how how you get around that to make it gluten-free? While y'all do that, can I sip one of these gluten-free beers just for the hell of it? I guess you get first pick on which one we drink first. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's that's fair. You know, if she's drinking, we have to drink. So I'll drink the lightest one. Okay, y'all go. Y'all talk about it though. I don't want to. I don't want to like stop Ryan from his stories. His stories are literally the best. <laughs> so, so this, which one we got, Drew? All right, so we are drinking a beer from Holla Daily Brewing Company out of Golden, Colorado, and so I. I did some research and uh, the owner of Holla Daily, she has celiacs. And so every beer they make is gluten-free. And so they're one of the biggest players in the game. And most of our beers today are Holla Daily because they had the most options of beer styles. And so really wanted to look at different styles. But the one we're drinking right now is called the Favorite Blonde. This is a blonde ale with a subtle hop character and a mellow malt flavor. 
But to circle back to Ryan's comment there, this beer is made with water, millet, buckwheat, yeast, and hops. I'll jump in here and and pause for pause for sound effects. All right. So you mentioned you mentioned millet in the in the ingredients list. So the the basic four ingredients. I think this is probably pretty common knowledge. But the basic four ingredients for beer is water, barley, hops, and yeast. <clears throat> wheat and barley are the sources of gluten, and you know wheat beers add a little bit of wheat, but still barley is the main base. So so that's where you get your gluten in your in your beer. So to get around that, you have to brew something besides barley and wheat. So uh, a lot of the common stuff that they that they'll use is something called millet, buckwheat, sorghum, rice, and sometimes quinoa, uh, or some kind of combination of all those. So I know you just mentioned millet. Was that the only one in here? Millet, oh, they buckwheat. use buckwheat, they use buckwheat as well. So yeah, yeah, those are gluten free fermentables. Basically, you can break them down into sugars, and the yeast can eat it to make the alcohol. So. So it's health beer. Let's go with that. I like that. It's beer for health. The moment you said quinoa, I knew it must have been healthy. <laughs> there you go. We always choose beer as the healthy option here on the Beer and Easy podcast. <laughs> I'm looking through our options that we're going to drink today, and none of them have quinoa, unfortunately. Yeah. When you said quinoa, I was like, shit, we should have really gotten on that. I think we got some sorghum coming up in a little while, so we'll have to, we'll have to check it out. What the hell is millet used for, though? Because, like, I don't think I've ever heard it's of millet. Millet, it's just a grain. You can eat it the way you do rice or quinoa or couscous. I mean, it's just another grain. Do you think they make couscous beer? No, couscous is pasta, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it says, my, my Google skills tell me that millet can be used to make bread, beer, cereal, and other dishes. It's a staple food around the world. Yeah, it's just another grain. Is, is this could, what I'm could, on here for? But you still didn't. You still didn't answer my question. Could you brew it? Ryan figured out. All right, moving on. Moving on here. <laughs> okay, so I've got thoughts on this beer. Okay, go ahead. So my thoughts are, like, right when you drink it, it's like a lot of hop, and I like that because I like hoppy beers. Drew will tell you I'm an IPA queen, but when you swallow it, it like exits your whole mouth. It evaporates the way almost liquor would. You know how you drink liquor and there's just like no after effect. There's like no mouthfeel. There's no taste. There's no nothing. It exits your mouth. You swallow it. It's just gone. You, you nailed it. That's called mouthfeel. And I was going to say the same thing. There's not a lot of mouthfeel that's super thin, watery thin. It no mouthfeel and no mouth taste. And I'm, and I'm, I'm curious. I agree with you, the hop thing, because I'm guessing that the, the malt that you get from these, these alternate fermentables is not going to give you a lot of a lot of creaminess like mouthfeel thickness and probably not a lot of of like multi flavor so i'm i'm guessing that's going to be a common thread through these is they're going to be a little bit thinner and uh lack some of that multi balance to it i like it though but yeah you, you nailed it right out the gates i think i like it it's it is refreshing that I, I do want to put a disclaimer on these beers is that it's hard to find a lot of gluten-free options. I did, sure. after after the fact, Ryan found a gluten-free option at Urban South HTX, which I wish I had gotten. But I got all of these at Total Wine. Ryan, have you done much shopping at Total Wine? Total Wine, enter. This is your opportunity to sponsor this episode. They, they're not going to sponsor after they hear what I have to say. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Ryan, do you shop much at Total Wine? Basically, the only times I go to Total Wine is when you have a load of beer and we're trying to organize an episode and I'm trying to find those same beers. That's basically the only time I go to Total Wine. So I love it at Total Wine because there's so much selection. 
But the thing that gets me every time, and during COVID, it was the worst, but you have to check your dates at Total Wine on the beers. I got Total Wine. That's what I call it. When you go to Total Wine and you look at the, the board on date and you're, I think all of these beers are six to 12 months old. And so I didn't look at it at the time because I was so excited that I saw all these gluten-free beers. And so we may not be getting the freshest options today. So, you know, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt if we don't like some of these. Maybe it just needed to be fresher. Now, honestly, for this beer being six six months old, it still tastes very refreshing. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Awesome. Next. Next beer. <laughs> Ryan, you want to... You wanna... <laughs> I mean, I've got no chill. She's, she's... I got no chill. Let's go, bitches. Yeah, we got we got someone pushing us along, Ryan. So you gotta you gotta pour the next one. All right, let's let's stick light and go with the uh, another holiday, um, but their adventure series, Citrus Goza. Ooh. So this beer is also brewed with millet and buckwheat, same exact ingredients as the blonde, but it also adds a Brazilian grapefruit, lime from Peru, grapefruit from Arizona, and sea salt from Spain. Damn, that's fancy. This sounds super fancy. It's like some highfalutin beer we got here. It smells like kind of like lime juice, I think, right out of the bat. And uh, I'm pretty excited to taste it. Oh, it does smell like lime juice. Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and like make a... Like a hoppy, yeasty lime. I'm going to go ahead and make a confession that uh, I may have cracked one of these open uh, oh, this about, is a, about a week ago. And so I'm going to withhold my, my comments on the beer until Ryan gets his uh, comments on it. This is the one we had. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a few sips. Oh, My... hell no. Did I like it then? I don't like it now. Really? No. You liked it at the time. You were like... How drunk was I? I don't know. You don't remember drinking it, so I think that answers my question. There you go. It's uh, it's it's like you get the sea salt for sure, and you get the lime juice, like overwhelmingly lime juice, I it's think. It's just like we opinion. might as well just be sucking a lime dipped in salt. Where where's the rest of the flavor? I like it. <laughs> that may take, be controversial. Take mine. Take mine. It may be controversial, but no, it's not controversial. Just take mine. It's like drinking. It's drinking lime juice with salt, and yeah, I'm, I, I'm in for it. It's it's good. Oh. That's why I said I wanted to give it a few sips. I wanted to get, give my taste buds a chance to adapt because that was that was quite shocking. My yeah. first sip. <laughs> if if we were doing this like on the back patio, like our warm beer episode, I bet this one would be fantastic. I really don't think it's that bad. I have a feeling I know what happened to the substance of the rest of this beer. We're at about 11 months, 11 months and change on this, uh, on this canned beer. So any hop characteristic that probably would have bounced out some of that lime juice is, uh, probably long gone. Yeah. I think when I, when I poured mine the first time, there was a lot of floaties at the bottom too. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I would, I would revisit this if I found it fresh, probably. Do you have any experience previously with gluten-free beers? Not intentionally. I, like I, I, you know, the more I've dug into it, you know, there's rice beers out there that are potentially gluten-free naturally because they're made with rice. So some of your Asian beers, you could get some that are naturally gluten-free, but I've never sought one out. And I can't remember a time where I drank one that said gluten-free. How about you? Yeah. So actually a few years ago, it was a birthday trip. Allison and I went to Portland and spent three or four days just hitting as many breweries in Portland as we could. So one of these days we were headed to a brewery that we had on our list and saw that there was another one kind of halfway. So we decided we'd stop there on the way and we walk in and we get a flight and we're splitting it. And I look up at the wall and there's a tractor painted on the wall 
um, that just says gluten-free across the hood of the tractor. I was like, wait, what? So we looked it up. It turns out it was a, a gluten-free brewery. And they also had a restaurant that was all gluten-free food. It was called Groundbreaker Brewing in Portland. So kind of like you, I didn't intentionally seek it out, but we ended up stopping in there. And uh, honestly, it was like on par with all the other beer we had the rest of the weekend. I was very pleasantly surprised. It was pretty good. Yeah, I actually have an article that I'll I'll link to the episode where it talks about like all the big gluten-free breweries. And I'd say like the majority are on the West Coast. So Washington, Portland, California, you know, and then you start getting into Colorado. So the West Coast is definitely on this trend. Hasn't made, There's not a lot in Texas um, other than just a few gluten-free beers from, from breweries. So that definitely hasn't made it to the South. I mean, we love our we love our wheat and, and, you know, the grain lobby is strong here in the South. So <laughs> the grain lobby. Yeah. Are you talking about the chicken bride steak lobby? Big grain, big grain, <laughs> big grain. Yeah. Okay. So I will say like the thing to watch out for on these not, because most of these breweries, like the one, the groundbreaker that Ryan just talked about, they are like a dedicated gluten-free facility, but a lot of places that make normal beer and they'll make a gluten-free option those are the ones you really have to watch out for because the the labeling, if it's truly gluten-free and it has the, the, you know, the logo that says certified gluten-free, certified gluten-free. you know that that is actually safe for celiacs, but there's some beers that some of them actually I've heard have been mislabeled as gluten-free, but they're really gluten reduced beers where they brew it with the gluten, but then they add an enzyme that removes the gluten, but it leaves it in like PPM levels. But I, but for someone like our daughter, if she was to drink that, she would get sick. Yeah. It's pretty immediate. Like after, which is the same case with food as well. Yeah. There's a lot of places that, that label their food gluten-free, but it's not certified gluten-free. Yeah. Some people choose not to drink gluten as a diet, but when it's actually eat, uh, usually they choose to not eat it before we're they choose drink, not we're to drink. drink it. We're on a drinking episode here. So I'm going to focus on <laughs> The other thing I've noticed with with people that are that have celiacs that still want to drink beer, they'll also expand out to ciders because ciders are, are gluten free. And so I, I'm not personally a huge cider fan, but when we were in um, Fredericksburg, we went to a uh, we went to go do a cider tasting, and they had one that was heavily hopped. Like there was, I've never had cider where they just like jam pack it with hops, and it was actually pretty tasty because it you know it had the hop flavor instead of just being like fruit juice. Have you ever had cider like that, right? I don't think so. I've had like dry ciders where they just like ferment the the hell out of it and try to get as much sugar out as they can. And that, those are the ciders I've I've enjoyed the most just because, yeah, the regular cider is just a little too sweet for me. But I'd be really interested to, to try that one. So, Drew, we've each introduced one. You want to introduce our next offering? I think we want to take a little holiday break here. And go to the big boys. So you, you wonder something like gluten-free, since there's not a lot of breweries that make it. Why don't we go to the macros, right? So Anheuser-Busch actually makes a gluten-free beer called Redbridge. And this one is made with the white sorghum. So with my experience with Anheuser-Busch, I, I think this is probably going to be the best beer on the, on the menu. What do you think, Ryan? <laughs> I don't see how it could not be. Just for reference, I just smelled it and I smelled nothing. I I was just thinking that too. I smelled it a second time to see if I just missed it, but nope, it it's is. It's like a hint of beer, a hint of beer. That should be a perfume. Yeah, you know, they don't they don't mix in different fermentables. It's just oh just god, sorghum, it's, it's so. almost like 
just sparkling water, honestly. Fermented sorghum and corn syrup, hops, and yeast. So there's that corn syrup, man. Pretty sure Michelob Ultra has more flavor than this. Yeah, it, it tastes exactly like it smells, like like basically nothing. Just like a hint of something where you're like, yeah, there's, there's something there, I guess. It's like sparkling water with a hint of beer. Yeah, I got to say, um, you know, usually I'm a huge Anheuser-Busch supporter, but this is the worst freaking beer on the menu so far tonight. <laughs> and it has a weird aftertaste. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm three sips in and it's like building some kind of weird, like, yeah. I don't know. Like Can we go back to Hollow Dailies? Yeah, I, th- I think I'm going to set that one aside. I think that's going to be a beer and an easy first. Should we waste any more time here? Or should we just move on to the next one? <laughs> let's move on, man. Let's let let's let Meredith do her first ever beer and an easy introduction. So, what do you got there, Meredith? Okay, this is the Glutenberg. <laughs> I still can't not say it. I, it's the Glutenberg IPA, which is made with millet buckwheat and corn beer and it's from a gluten-free craft brewery that's located in glutenberg california which i've got questions i have bad news for you meredith oh no what it's glutenberg.ca it's from canada and that's their website url oh no i thought it was a comma that's so sad. But there's still not it's, a lot of Germans up there, are there? I mean, I'm it's surprised. brewed and canned by Microbrasserie Glutenberg in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and imported by Total Beverage Solutions in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. <laughs> so there's no such wow, thing as I, a town of Glutenberg. I really just messed this whole intro up. I literally thought it was a comma. No, it's entertaining. We, I love it. We, <laughs> yeah. He's just happy because it's going to make his ratings go up, but it's going to make me seem like an idiot. <laughs> No, it's it typical does, it Drew. Looks, it's a weird. It's a weird place to put a website. It absolutely looks like the location of the brewery. Every celiac's nightmare, Glutenberg, <laughs> California. That's a great place to open up a gluten-free brewery. <laughs> we should just make a horror film for celiacs about Glutenberg, California. <laughs> and, and one thing about me is, is I'm a sucker for can art. And this has got to be the worst can art that I've ever seen in my life. No can art. It smells delicious, though, y'all. Have you smelled it? It's like a fruity, almost sake-ish smell. It smells like a lemon, like lemon almost. It's not bad. Y'all, I could drink this. I could drink this by the pool for Memorial Day weekend. It tastes good. It's got a little bit of a lingering aftertaste. The mouthfeel uh, is there. Yeah, the yeah the, the mouthfeel is definitely there. Yeah, I don't I don't hate it. So I, I found it here. It says it's brewed with mosaic cryo hops. Mm, mm. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with this IPA. Like it's it I can I can taste a little bit of dankness and then it's got a little bit of citrus. I almost get grapefruit. Do y'all get grapefruit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I think this one like by far is my favorite so far. Yeah, yeah, I'm into this one. So while while we're sipping on this one, I have I have a question for you guys about, about this whole celiac thing. I know a lot of people are like gluten sensitive and so they're like, oh, I can't have gluten. But if you like truly have celiacs and you're trying to go like whole hog on getting not ingesting any gluten, like what are what are some examples of some of the kind of stuff that that you got to do to make sure that your your food is clean? This is a great question for me because I've been trying to make our whole kitchen partially gluten and partially gluten free, even though Drew and I may be willing to go gluten free for Faye. It's really hard to convince her sisters. And then we don't, my point is, is that we're running a kitchen that has both. 
So some of the things that we have to do in our kitchen, and it sounds extreme, but honestly, at the rate that our daughter complains about her stomach hurting, which is from exposure to gluten, I'm just happy that we have the means to be able to do this. So we have split our kitchen um, kind of in half. So we have part of the counter that's been labeled literally with a physical label that says gluten-free. She has her own toaster for her own products. And then right below, which also happens to be the Drew's beer fridge, which is slowly becoming a little bit of it. It's being taken over by gluten-free condiments and butter and stuff. So we keep separate butter, separate peanut butter, because anything, any knife that goes into um, peanut butter that was on a gluten bread can't go into the same thing and then she eat out of it. So she's got to have her own butter, her own peanut butter, her own, all those things. So there's like just a lot of little things like that, which are not so little when you're functioning as a family, but the concentration is ridiculously low for exposure. It's like 20 parts per million yeah, of gluten. 20. And so like gluten contact is sometimes all that it takes to get, you know, you reuse containers and stuff like that. So it's, it's, I think the biggest challenge has been at restaurants. Cause like restaurants, if they, they use the same cooking utensils or the same like fryer, it's like, we just went to, went to get Mexican food tonight. My daughter got a burger, but we had to get without the bun. We brought her own bun. So it's, we have to bring her own chips because if you fry the chips in the same oil as a chip with gluten or anything else with gluten, contact. It's kind of exhausting, but, um, you know, whatever it takes to make her healthy, make sure she's healthy and happy. Hence, hence gluten-free beers. Cheers (laughs) y'all. I guess that's another aspect of it too. With like the chips thing is it's not just about making sure their food is adequate. It's making sure they're happy, not seeing everyone else eating stuff that they can't eat. Also providing them an alternative that they can also participate with. She's six years old. She's just finishing up kindergarten. I mean, try telling a kindergartner she can't have the cupcakes that are being brought in for every birthday. That just sucks as a parent. And think about that like 15 years from now. Everyone around her is drinking a hot bomb from Spindle Tap and she's missing out. So this is why we're on the gluten-free beer quest because I don't want her to feel that same feeling. Are you sure, Drew? She's gonna. She's just going to be drinking tequila shots left and right. And I don't think that's any better, but... That could be the reality. <laughs> Meredith, this was your first time on the show. First time on Beering and Easy. So we have to ask you some beer preference questions here. So okay. the listeners are dying to know, what are your top three all-time favorite beers that you go to the most? Because I can think of them in my head, but I want to hear you say what your top three favorite beers are. Um, do I have to rank them in order or can just, I just, just say, say the top three? Okay. Um, Highlight. Okay. Art Car. By St. Arnold, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's that other one? Oh, shit. I don't know. You know the brewery? No, I just kind of know the can art. <laughs> I love it. It's like kind of blue and yellow. Oh, is it the one from Great Heights? Was that the one you liked a lot? <gasps> oh, Blue, Blue Tile. Tile. Yeah. That's not the one I was thinking of, but definitely Blue Tile. Yeah. Yeah, those three. So you're you're an IPA gal then, huh? Till I die. Right till you die. So we've made it through these beers pretty quick. I think we have one left. Do we want to pour it? 
otherwise I'm going to keep drinking this Glutenberg IPA. Yeah, hit me with it. I actually like it. Give me another. Yeah, so we're headed back to uh, Hala Daily. Um, It is a Beulah Red Ale uh, brewed water, millet, buckwheat, yeast, and hops. So so it sounds like they have a, a very consistent ingredient list, the same millet and buckwheat. Which, which the only difference with the gluten beer or the glutenberg beer is that uh, they have corn as well, but they also use millet and buckwheat. So it's seeming like there's a formula here for decent gluten-free beer and then a formula for not so good gluten-free beer. Look at you, sorghum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the nose on this is, I love, it's caramely, toasty, like the nose on it. It's like a um, deep, deep ale. It smells, it smells delicious. I'm pretty curious because they don't have like any adjuncts. I'm pretty curious how they go from like, like obviously the Goza had all that fruit, but how you go from a blonde to a red with the exact same ingredients. Like, I guess, I guess they offer, cause, cause the way we do it is you do different levels of roasting and that's kind of what gives you all that, that malt and darkness. So I guess you're able to do it with mill and buckwheat as well. Just like roast it down to like a toastier, you basically just cook those cook those grains more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, quite frankly, it does taste flat, but I'm not going to hold it against them because I do feel like that's probably because the beer is a little bit older. But the flavors are actually on point, and I'm really impressed with this with this brewery. And I actually want to support them more and get stuff maybe straight from them. Well, what it is like, just think of it is. You have an expiration date on beer. It's you know typically they'll they'll throw it away after a year, but they're not going to allow Holiday to fill that shelf because otherwise Total Wine is taking a loss. Oh no! Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I understand the whole. I know. I understand the market. I understand how it works. I'm just saying I want to support Holiday directly. So you have to drink all their old stuff and then you can drink their new stuff. No, I want to support them directly and buy their beers fresh from them. Yeah, this, this beer was actually uh, canned seven months ago to the day. But that being said, yeah, you're right. The the caramel notes are there. The toastiness is there. There's a, there's a little bit of hint of some oxidation coming through, kind of like a cardboardy kind of aftertaste. But uh, um, yeah, if it wasn't seven months old, that wouldn't be there. And this would be so smooth and delicious. So I'm with you. Holly Daly is, is kind of killing it with this gluten beer thing, gluten-free beer thing. What are your thoughts, Drew? I'm I'm digging it. Like I I love a good multi red uh, ale, and I'd probably say this is my uh, out of the ones we've had today. This is probably my second favorite behind the Glutenberg. So I think because of the, the like the flavors really come through uh, beautifully on this one. Ooh, can I rate mine? Sure. Okay, I'm gonna rate Glutenberg number one, the favorite number two, and this number three. And then what were the others we tried? The Goza and then the uh, Anheuser-Busch. Oh, oh, God. They're just tied for dead last. Let them, let them pour together and flavor each other. Jesus Christ. <laughs> don't, give, don't give Drew any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Experimentation. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Redbridge is at the bottom, followed by the, the Goza, which is, is disappointing. I want to taste, taste, the, taste the Goza fresh, but... Um, after that, man, it's 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 tough for me because I actually did really like the favorite blonde, so it's like tied at second for me with red and favorite. I, I guess I'll give the edge to the red. 
the blonde would be my third, red a second, and then yeah, Gutenberg first. I think we're we're pretty much aligned on all of our opinions. I just want to point out that the red bridge is there's like a huge drop off when you get down to that level. That's like that's like bottom tier. Like I don't think it's respectful to the Goza to put it anywhere in the same territory as that red bridge. It's like it's like, it's like one through four, and then a big gap, and then like number ten. I'm telling you guys, it's sparkling water flavored with hops. It was not enjoyable. Do you know what I find interesting? How they label that beer. It's labeled all like bat country, salt of the earth, true to what beer should be when it's brewed in its original way outside of a brewery. And I'm like, bitch, that's still water. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's what I think when I look at that label. So Meredith, there is somebody out there that has celiacs, but just wants to be drinking a Budweiser with the Clydesdale and they totally want to feel, feel like they're drinking a Bud. Totally fine. But why is it that label? Why can't they just put a Clydesdale on it and then say gluten-free? Gluten-free Bud. Yeah, they're trying to make it feel like a very established old brand beer. And distancing themselves from it being macro. Like our Puritans, the Puritans, our Puritan ancestors have been brewing this water with a hint of hops since 1782. So drink this water with a hint of hops that is also safe for celiacs. So as we finish up uh, all these beers, um, I want to hear your guys' opinion on this. I feel like when I was like graduating, I'd say graduating college 10 years ago, but it was actually 12 years ago now. But I I feel like gluten-free was like this, like not fake thing, but you know, like this thing that you didn't hear about very much. And it was kind of like, is this actually real? Or are people just like saying this? And I feel like at this point it's gotten so much bigger. Um, Do you guys feel like I, I may just be like an ignorant college kid. So I'm, I'm curious on your perspective. You're, pretty far, you're has... pretty far away from being a college kid. I just want to point it out, Ryan. I know you're I living know. those glory years. No, no, no but... I'm saying, I'm saying from. <laughs> he yeah. said 12 years, Drew, and we're from, older yeah. than him. From when I first started getting exposed to it and stuff, it just seems like it's blown up a lot. And I'm curious to your guys' thoughts on, on when you got first started, like learning about what gluten-free actually was to now and, and what you think the trajectory is moving forward gluten-free started to become a lot more known, but even then it became more known as a, as a health thing, as if gluten was bad from a health standpoint. And that's actually not true. Gluten is totally fine for the average person. Gluten is not fine for people that have a gluten allergy who are gluten intolerant or who have in our case of our daughter celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disease, which is different from an allergy. And where I see it going forward is, so I'm actually on a lot of Reddit feeds on celiacs and the Reddit feed I follow focused on a pharmaceuticals doctors are getting very close in identifying a drug that can help minimize the effects of gluten in the body for celiacs, meaning it won't take it fully away but you could take this pill possibly and be able to go to a restaurant and have gluten-friendly items, which are not certified gluten-free for a celiac, but be able to have those and 
possibly not come home with giant stomach pains and be debilitated for the rest of the night. I think the only other thing with the trajectory is like, it's plenty of stuff you can get at the house. Like lots of stuff you can buy, groceries, everything is great. At restaurants, there's not a lot of options. So I think the trajectory has to be places where you go with your family and be able to get options at anything more than a chain restaurant. It's really hard to get gluten-free. And so I think that's that's what like the future holds is we need to get more aware of that and in a more public setting, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious if like some of the, like you mentioned, the the breweries themselves, how they're all kind of on the West Coast and if that kind of spreads and like the, uh, I don't know, like quote unquote, like stigma about like a gluten-free beer kind of gets uh, diminished a little bit and people are willing to actually, that don't have to drink gluten-free beer will, are actually willing to drink it. I think that's, that's going to be a huge hurdle, but. Yeah, I, I think like, I think in like kind of where we are in this episode, I've I've been pleasantly surprised with the gluten-free beers. I feel like there's options out there that I could definitely drink and not feel like I'm not drinking beer. So I, I think like I, I'm it's promising. I don't feel like I have to become a brewer, but doesn't mean that I won't tinker around with it at some point. <laughs> probably worse than what Holiday makes. I'm probably more in the <laughs> Anheuser Busch range here. <laughs> All right, y'all. We're, well, I think we're towards the end of the episode here, so. We have enjoyed some gluten-free beers today. I think we have figured out that uh, gluten-free ain't all that bad. There's some bad ones out there, but there's some good ones too. So that's promising for our six-year-old for 15 years from now. Who knows what the beer industry will have for us? So as always on the Beering Ain't Easy podcast, we are trying different things, beer experiments. Today was gluten-free beer. If you like what you're listening to, come check out our website at crossthestreamsmedia.com. We got all kinds of great content and episodes. Um, For this episode in particular, I'm going to put some links on there for uh, some of the best gluten-free breweries in all of America. And also I'll give a shout out um, from on Instagram. If you follow the brew babe, she is allergic to beer and does a lot of posts about gluten-free beers, so she's got some insights to some of the better breweries across the U.S. as well. So, shout out to her. All right, Ryan, do you want to take us out? Definitely. I'm uh, pleasantly surprised here. Uh, shout out to Holiday Brewing if you're in the Colorado area. They're from Gold, Colorado, by the way, so definitely check them out. Um, I'd be interested to see their place, but uh, yeah, it's always fun to try new stuff that you've never had before, so... Uh, Until next episode, we'll uh, celiac y'all next time. (laughs) This has been a Bearing Ain't Easy production out of Houston, Texas. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook or at our website at crossthestreamsmedia.com where you can find our podcast and all the other great sister podcasts on our network. been a Cross the Streams media podcast. I feel like the the fact that all of our beers were super old makes that like a shitty episode because it's like, well, I think I, I think it, <laughs> if it was like five months earlier. <laughs>